Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so, allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, stagnancy, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arcadi into your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to guide it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed and you may be seated. The Book of Ephesians 4, 22-24 You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self, created by God in true righteousness and holiness. The theme of the sermon is the right to the power or the right to the anointing of the Holy Spirit to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. To fulfill this decreeing commandment written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady, we need to put three destiny impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice, and these are put off, be renewed, and put on. They are destiny impacting because they contain our destiny. They contain our purpose that was given to us by God from the beginning. These are also, they are also commanding. And if it is a commandment, uh, then if we disobey, this deprives us of eternal life. We can find these uh, very, they're fundamental, they're commanding, and they are present all throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelations. Fulfilling these three destiny impacting, commanding, and fundamental requirements will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath, or more specifically, will our salvation happen? What salvation, you may ask, I'm already saved. Or more specifically, will our salvation happen? What salvation, the salvation that is given in the format of a seed. <clears throat> Identifying the deposit of our justification and the given to a salvation, where we need to turn the three above mentioned acts into profit, put off, be renewed, and put on, to turn them into profit within the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, so that <clears throat> our salvation can become our possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. And if we don't do this, we will forever lose the justification that is given to us in the format of a deposit. 
Relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David, which reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High. Getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David, consisting of the eight names of God, allowed David to love and call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised so that he can be saved from his enemies. And God getting to know and confessing the truth that opens up the power of his names within the heart of David provided God with a legitimate basis to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names in battle against the enemies of David. We will not be able to activate God. We won't be able to overcome our common enemy with God if we will not activate God. And to activate God is something we do when we do when we love his commandments or fall in love with his commandments just as David did. All of the Psalms of David is upon practice how you need to pray or examples of that. Psalm 18, 1 through 4. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Let us together proclaim these eight names and confirm them within our confession. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear these words and may he establish them in our heart and may he make us grounded and immovable in hope and worthy of these names that we proclaim in a specific format as much as the Lord has allowed and according to the measure of our faith, we already looked at our inherited lot in the qualities and promises contained in the strength of God Most High. Therefore, we will immediately begin studying our lot, studying the qualities contained in the name of God Most High Rock, which in its inner essence and its inner nature has an unearthly quality of hardness which is inherent to the nature of our Heavenly Father and is beyond the comprehension of the typical human mind of man. <clears throat> in Scripture, the identification of the word rock in regard to the natural quality of God Most High is illustrated with the following colored tints. When we confess these, when we read these, these are not just the characteristics of God, these characteristics uh, that we need to have, we need to have these characteristics. And so rock is resistant, strong, healthy, wise, tested, rooted, well-established, immovable, continuous, non-diminishing, constant, fearless, non-penetrating, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Someone may say, I'm a, I have, someone may say, well, I have a question, I'm ill, I don't have these qualities of hardness or, or rock. The Lord doesn't look at your health in what you see visibly within, with your eyes or feel or a, upon the paper that your doctor has written, but he looks at other, another thing. The, word, the quality of a rock is consistent in, it's consisted in the Word of God. He's 
And so even in scripture it says that the, those of old age are flourishing and fresh and and so the quality of a rock is where the word of God is. God's characteristic God God's characteristics are within his word. And if you know, if you remember Job, he said, not someone else but me myself, with my own eyes will I see my salvation. Not just the salvation of his body, but his but all aspects of his life, because he utilized this name of God rock if we collaborate with God with his name rock if we lift up his name and we put it in our body we apply it for uh, for toward ourselves a young person that not who does not collaborate with the name of God rock is an unfortunate person the quality of the name of God rock when it comes to the name of God Most High, identifies itself in Scripture as stone, cliff, heaviness, weights, weight, and scales. And so here we see presented the existing name of God, rock, and then also its qualities, all the all the types of characteristics that this uh, name of God, rock, contains. This rock, this quality of a rock is within the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Word. It is in the church. It is in each one of us. And so we need to possess this existing name of God, rock. And so as it's an existing na- name, it also needs to be living within us. And so this ex- existing name is something that we need to apply in its qualities, its characteristics. So the one believing in him will not be ashamed. He is a rock. A rock. He's a chief cornerstone. He is, a, he is tested. He's tried. These are uh, characteristics that it has. It's, been, it's a tested rock. It's a firm, established rock. And so you need to first, you need to see these characteristics in order to have them within yourself and to be able to work with the name of God to be able to have them in yourself. And of course, this is a collaborative effort. Therefore, the power of the name of God, Rock, contains the ability of the Most High to judge or weigh upon the scale plates of your justice all that is created by Him. And so again, we say... Uh, The power of the name of God, Rock, contains the ability of the Most High to judge or weigh upon the scale plates of your justice, all that is created by Him, of His justice, that is all that is created by Him to punish or reward each one according to their weight. Therefore, to possess the power of the Most High contained in the Rock of His name is to possess the authority and right to judge both yourself as well as those people who are under our responsibility to judge within the parameters of the commandments and statutes of the Lord or to weigh your words and your actions upon the scale plates of justice of the Most High as well as the words and actions of people who are under our responsibility and to master and clothe yourself into the unearthly quality of a rock contained in the name of God Most High which quenches our hunger and thirst and brings us to power over our calling, it is necessary for us to study four classical questions. What, in essence, is his name rock, consisting in the qualities of the rock of the name of God Most High? Second, what purpose is our prayers 
or are our prayers in the quality of his name rock called to fulfill obtained by us in the power of his name third what price do we need to pay to be clothed into the quality of his name rock contained in the rock of his name fourth by what results do we need to judge that we truly possess the virtue of his name rock consisting in the power of the rock of his name in a specific format we already studied the first two questions and therefore we will immediately begin studying the third question what price do we need to pay to possess the right to clothe our spirit into into the virtue of the rock of the Lord so that God can receive the legitimate grounds he needs to keep us in his perfect peace as it is written you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you Isaiah 26.3 and so you need to place yourself somehow into this perfect peace so we can have this quality of a rock in ourselves the price of the first condition for the right to possess the quality of the rock of the Lord in our spirit consists in planting yourself in the house of the Lord Psalm 91, if you know, it's written that the righteous shall be flourishing and fresh so that they may proclaim that the Lord is righteous and there's no unrighteousness in him. And so we need to have the ability to plant ourselves in the house of the Lord so we may have the right to confirm anything in our prayers, establish anything in our prayers. We are called to see God not just in the three realms in which he is, <clears throat> he he is within the heights of the heavens. Our connection with heaven is possible if we correctly have received justification freely by grace. If we follow the law of Moses or we are trying to evangelize or we're trying to fast so we could feel better, we lose connection with heaven. <clears throat> Our connection with heaven is when we say, Lord, I received justification freely by, uh, because of your grace. I ask you, uh, show your mercy in your Holy Spirit, and may I be in accordance to the calling that you've called me to, that I may follow it. And so the Lord says, you have this calling of my son because of the gift of grace. And then we grow this and produce fruit, the character characteristics of Christ, the correct thoughts, correct actions, correct words. We receive salvation in the form of a seed, that means we have a house in heaven and this seed it is received freely for Christ it was of course Golgotha and he produced fruit and from his fruit we took this a seed and this seed needs to uh, pass through the through death in us and uh, begin to grow he died in the cross and in his fruit we received the seed of justification and now in the death of Jesus Christ we die for our nation the house of our father and for our fleshly life we produce fruit and and then this fruits that we're producing they of course uh, have seeds that then they all of this rolls over into our uh, soul and our body the second place where the Lord abides is the temple we need to differentiate the synagogue of Satan from the Church of Jesus Christ how do you differentiate the synagogue of Satan one principle there will not be God's order there and 
they will not be uh, making the word of God their priority. And so how can you magnify the word upon a pedestal uh, if, you f- if you forsake uh, speaking in tongues. And so, and so they state such things as that, that they prioritize the word of God, but when you listen to what they say within the churches, it's very different or contradictory to what they state. And so synagogues of Satan are are places where people elect for themselves teachers that would deceive them. Zion, the church, is where God's order exists and where there truly is the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ, which is identified in specific truth, specific uh, statutes, his teaching. And the third place is our body where he abides. And when the Lord is within the three, our body that has a humble and contrite spirit and who trembles before God's word when we have a living church and not a synagogue of Satan and when we have justification and we have a connection with heaven now the Lord sees these three uh, in us because they are interlinked and I now can root myself in God and you're planted then in the house of the Lord and they will be fresh and blooming in the Lord to be rooted also is to understand that someone can still uproot us and the Lord only uproots in two, condi- two, in two situations. Uh, any plant that is not planted by the Heavenly Father is uprooted and so when the Pharisees, when they were offended at the words Jesus said and the disciples told Jesus they were offended at the words you said, Jesus said, leave them, they are blind guides who lead the blind and if the blind lead the blind they will both fall into a pit leave this plant it is not something my heavenly father planted and the second is a plant that god did did plant a, a a tree that god did plant but the person refused to collaborate with the word of god and produce fruit and john the baptist said the axe is at the root of the tree and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire and so the price of the first condition for the right to possess the quality of the rock of the Lord in our spirit is cons- is planting yourself in the house of the Lord, to plant yourself, to root yourself. The price of the second condition for, that we have already studied for the right to possess the quality of the rock of the Lord in our spirit is demonstrating mercy towards vessels of mercy. It's written that the good person uh, is gracious and lends. And this good person is our Lord Jesus Christ and then our spirit who is inherent to God and who corresponds to all the characteristics of our Lord Jesus Christ and we more than once have heard this wonderful amazing uh, parable where the Lord said that was explained from many angles who of you having a friend will come at midnight and knock to uh, to another friend pleading for the uh, need of the third friend that came in from the street. And so the one from that's behind the door will say, my door is shut. I'm already on my bed with my children. How can I rise and give bread to you now? And the scriptures say, if this one will not rise because of friendship, 
uh, then he will do it because of persistence. If the one knocking will be persistent and uh, asking and asking, that one will rise and give to him. This friend, the second friend who's knocking for the three breads for the one who came in from the street, this is a third friend. The third fr- friend from the street does not know the one that's behind the door. And so this one knocking is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came to the Father and said, Lord or Father, give these breads to my church. So they receive salvation for the spirit, soul, and body. And he says, I'll give to you, but I won't give us friendship but because of persistence. If the Lord considers you your, you his friend, he won't give anything to you because he's your friend. The closer you are to God, he, the least he will give to you because you're a friend. Abraham is a friend of God. James uh, said that Abraham obeyed and Abraham, Abraham believed the Lord and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And so he believed in the Lord. He, he proclaimed the not existent as existent. He, he was called a friend of the Lord. Abraham needed to believe. He couldn't receive anything from the Lord just because he's his friend. The closer you get to God, again, the, the less he will give you because you're his friend. He wants you with your hope believe in what God is giving you. Abraham did not need to believe in healing. He needed to believe in the resurrection of the dead because God, his best best of friends, Abraham, all the aspects of his life and his son, he also, that he had promised, he brought all this literally to a state of almost death. This is how the Lord behaves truly with his friends. And so Jesus Ask the Father again, give the three breads, the salvation of the spirit, soul, and body of my church, but I will give to you because you're persistent. And so Jesus, if you remember on the cross, he said, uh, Lord, Lord, why have you forsaken me? And when I hear these words, Jesus, the, uh, the Father says, then I will give you these three breads. And Jesus received them and passed them on to us in his resurrection. And we, during communion, break bread. And this is the salvation of our soul and our spirit and our body. He received these breads where? Upon Golgotha. This friend also, the one knocking to the other friend that's behind the door is also our soul. That asks from our spirit because the soul has heard that she has three breads, revelation that belongs to the door of our hope. And the body has come out, come in from the street at midnight and now the soul, the friend, is knocking to the spirit and asking for this promise. What is it you have that I need the soul and the body that came in from the street to have? And the spirit will say, I've closed my door. I've closed myself to information that's from from outside. And this information is with me on my bed. I'm, I'm, I'm at peace with the Lord because I'm inherent to God's nature. And the soul, if it is persistent, persistent, our soul will be able to receive this revelation from our spirit and pass it, these revelations and salvation to our body. This uh, middleman, this uh, this friend that is familiar with the spirit and the one that's familiar with the body. The spirit is in the likeness of God and doesn't need to give anything because of friendship. And so the soul needs to be persistent 
uh, equality that is in the likeness of the Spirit, and then the Spirit will pass on and give this promise to the soul, and will, as it says, the good person is gracious and lends, and so he lends. And so there's a loan the Lord will forgive and one he will never forgive. The one he forgives is for uh, for our sins. He doesn't need our sins. Forgive our debts, our sins, just as we forgive our debtors or our sins in, in this example. Anonymously stated. And so this is a debt the Lord forgives. The Lord forgives sin. We sin, we forgive one who, who sinned against me, and as I forgive my the one that sins against me, the Lord forgives me. But there's a debt that is not sin. There's a debt that is salvation. This debt the Lord will not forgive. This is one that the Lord will require. He will ask you, what did I, what did I give to you? You gave me this many talents uh, here. Uh, the other took one talent, hid it, buried it, and and said i and buried it and said i know you were evil a harsh master you did not so where you'd not reap where you sow and here's what is yours the one and see how the lord reacted you evil uh, and wicked servant he says take him and throw him out into the darkness what did he want to say that there's a debt that the lord will not forgive and this is salvation salvation is like given in the format of a guarantee in the format of a seed he gave us this loan and that's why the soul needs to knock on the door and and ask for this revelation because i need the salvation for myself and for the body for the friend that came in from the street if i don't receive it i will we will perish very important the good person is gracious and lends there's a debt that we need to forgive and there's a debt that a person needs to return the price of the third condition that we will talk about more specifically today for the right to possess the quality of the rock of the Lord in your spirit is to walk in the ways of the Lord. Then it shall be, if you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight to keep my statutes and my commandments as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house as I built for David and will give Israel to you. 1 Kings 11.38 He says that he will make his him an enduring house just as he built for David. Upon what condition? If we will do as the servant of God David did. We will walk in his ways and we will do what is right in his sight. But only as David did. For, so, for God to be able to build our bodies into an enduring house, it is necessary for us to walk in His ways and do what is right in His sight to keep His statutes and His commandments just as servant, the servant David did. A couple of things we need to pay attention to so that we are confident that we walk in God's ways and that we're doing what is good in His sight. And also look at how David did this. First, to give God legitimate grounds upon which to build our bodies into an enduring house, it is necessary for us, like David, to settle into the stronghold called Zion. And to settle into the stronghold Zion, we, like David, need to take the stronghold by war. Second Samuel 5, 7-12 Nevertheless, David took the strongholds, stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. Now David said, 
on that day, whoever climbs up by the way of the water shaft, he defeats the Jebusites. Then David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David, and David built all around from the, from the millow and inward. So David went on and became great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. Then Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David, and cedar trees, and carpenters, and masons, and they built David a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as a king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. Second Samuel 5, 7-12 the symbol of the stronghold Zion, which belonged to Judah and Benjamin, but was under the control of the Jebusites, and which David took by war and then settled into and called the city of David, or his own city, this is our body. Zion, that was within the grasp of the Jebusites, which you need to take by war, is our body. The Jebusites themselves, who are in control of our body, called to become the city of David by casting lot is the aspect of our feelings who are in control of our body. When David, a man from the descendants of Judah, began to rule over Israel, then the first thing he did is he went out to war so he can take Jerusalem. He took the stronghold Zion and settled into it. Which is why the Church of Christ, the Bride of the Lamb, she's called Jerusalem. Jerusalem needs to be taken by war. You need to inhabit it. You need to make it your house. To go to war against the Jebusites who are in control of our body by the power of the corrupt desires of our soul, which are supported by organized powers of darkness, means receive a revelation in your heart and about the destruction of the stronghold of death within our body and the erection of the stronghold of life in its place. Where does war start? It doesn't start with prayers, with fasting. Those need to be there. But the war with the Jebusites begins when we receive into our heart a revelation about the destruction of the stronghold of death in our body and the erection of the stronghold of life in its place. As soon as we receive this revelation, we become mortal enemies of the Jebusites who live within our body only when we hear the revelation and receive it. Confessing such purposeful faith will provide God with legitimate grounds <clears throat> to acknowledge these promises for us about the destruction of the stronghold of death within our body and the erection of the stronghold of life in its place. Hosea 13:14. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues, O grave. I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. And this is the first. First, so that God would be able to, uh, for David to be in the Zion, he needed to take it by war again, and the war begins again. It begins when we cleanse our heart from dead works, and we receive the promise, the revelation about the destruction of the stronghold of death in our body and the erection of the stronghold of life in our body. Then the Lord begins to see Jerusalem as our own. That doesn't mean all of Jerusalem is yet freed. That just means that David has ab the absolute right from the position of Jerusalem to conquer all the rest of the land that the Lord had given to him and his descendants and that he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the battle, the fight begins uh, with the right to Jerusalem. 
the revelation at the door of our hope? Have we received it into our heart, and do we keep it within our heart? This was the first quality of David II, to provide God with legitimate grounds to build our bodies into an enduring house. We, like David, need to cling to God's testimonies so that we can be taught his statutes. The second quality that very clearly differentiated David, he did not just take Jerusalem and inhabit it, he, not like anyone else, trembled and he cleaned, clinged to God's testimonies, his commandments. And to be taught the statutes of God, we, like David, need to be clothed into the virtue of a student of Christ so that we can allow the messengers of Haram to build for us an enduring house. Psalm 119.12 and then also 31 through 34. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. I cling to your testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. The person who can enlighten us and teach us the way of the commandments and statutes of the Lord cannot just be anyone who desires it, but only that person whom God will choose and will clothe into the virtue of his apostle. First Timothy 3, 2-15 a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, and able to teach. Who is writing this and to whom? Apostle Paul is writing this to Apostle Timothy. He was giving him wisdom so that Timothy can collaborate with the Word of God just as David did with the Word of God. And David said, Lord, teach me. Give me wisdom. Send me the person that would be able to teach me. And we see often he sent these people who taught David. He tended the flocks of his father. The prophets taught him, gave him wisdom. They corrected him. And how did he react? He always uh, followed uh, that followed what they said as a student. Here's uh, Apostle Paul offers to Timothy how you need to be within the body. After his resurrection, the Lord gave his mandate to his disciples in the rank of apostles. John 20, 21 through 23, so Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you, re if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. John 20, 21 through 23. This was the calling that Jesus clothed his apostles into even before his suffering. And now after his resurrection, he again reminds them of their great mission to re represent his authority in his house. John 13, 20. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whoever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. A person who does not acknowledge God's order in which he, he is called to build his body into an enduring house will reap a great evil. Ecclesiastes 8, 5-7 He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful. Why will he not experience anything harmful? Because 
A wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment, because for every matter there is a time and judgment, though the misery of man increases greatly, for he does not know what will happen, so who can tell him when it will occur? It turns out that God, God's order is in the way that someone needs to teach us. How do we do it so that the Lord can establish us as he established David, establish that promise that we received for our land of Canaan that will become then the land of Israel that will be freed from the Canaanites? In what way? You need to establish the house of David. And how do you do this? Who will teach him? Who will, who will tell him as asking the question how it will occur or when it will occur? The stronghold Zion represents our body upon one condition. If we have an organic partaking or membership to the stronghold of Zion in the form of the virtuous wife. If we have a membership to the virtuous wife, and we will read some of the characteristics of a virtuous wife. And so when we, if we see that we have these qualities of the virtuous wife, we have these characteristics Zion and Jerusalem, the bride of the Lamb, they all share these characteristics. Psalm 31. We studied on Friday the the book of Proverbs where we studied the woman that was uh, clothed into uh, the garments of a, a, a harlot. And so that is a very different characteristic, different example, but here we see the virtuous wife. And so she knows what silver is. She talks about uh, Christ as her husband. He has taken And so she knows when he will come. And so this will be at uh, midnight that he will come or, or when the moon is full. Uh, she knows about justification and righteousness. Let us look at this virtuous wife a little bit closer and what parameters she has, what qualities does she have. Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maid servants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. 
She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. This place of scripture is often read during uh, matrimonies or during the time during weddings and so Uh, when before I used to hear this place, I always thought about all these different details of a woman and that she's supposed to have. This is before I understood that this is, of course, our church and our pastor explained who this is. Here, it's talking about all of the uh, works that the Church of Christ needs to do. Our personal soul possesses these abilities in Jesus Christ. Upon the condition, of course, that her husband is known at the gate and when he sits with the elders, when our spirit will sit and be in the elementary teaching of Christ, be pres- uh, living in that, then because of the truth, our soul will be able to do something in the house. Or when in the church there's an elementary teaching of Christ and the Lord sits with the elders of the land, with the patriarchs, then such a church can then do the things that we read about. The good that the virtuous wife does is everything that comes from the will of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and is able to be examined and tested by the written word of God. Evil, according to scripture, is all good and all form of service that comes from the will of man, his own personal flesh. 1 Corinthians 13, 3 And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. To examine the church of saints as well as yourself, as we're talking about the examining of the church of saints as well as ourselves, our soul, as to the viability of the virtuous wife, is to be done by those characteristics which the scriptures ascribe the virtuous wife. Considering that we have been studying all of these in the temple of our body, the husband of the virtuous wife, he is our new person who represents the interests of Christ in the temple of our body in the form of our husband within the temple of our body. The husband is our new person and he represents the quality of Christ naturally. We see here Christ as well. The virtuous wife herself is our soul which we have lost in the death of our Lord Jesus when we died through the law for the law and then reobtained our soul in the resurrection of Jesus Christ in a new form where she became able not to try to fulfill the role of the new person. Our soul and the church of Jesus Christ, which is made up of these wonderful souls. 
virtue or good works themselves are the fruits of our spirit produced by the tree of life within 12 months of the holy year which we have grown in the Eden of our good heart by collaborating with the truth of the word concealed within our within our good heart and with the Holy Spirit revealing the significance of the true word concealed in our heart. Let's look at these characteristics, some of these characteristics, qualities she has. We'll look at a few of them today and if the Lord will allow, then in the next service, and our pastor has not yet come, uh, then we will continue to study these characteristics of the virtuous wife. First, good. Uh, the good of the virtuous wife is her ability to do good for her husband and not evil all the days of her life. As it is written, the heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. The husband of the virtuous wife symbolizes Christ. And of course, our spirit is included here. The good which the virtuous wife does for her husband is the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is profit, which the virtuous wife has obtained, having invested the silver of her, of her salvation, turning it to profit her. Every time we receive the seed of the preached word of truth about the kingdom of heaven into our heart, and grow the seed into fruit of the tree of life, we do good for the Lord. And so when we produce fruit, when seed becomes fruit, we and so our spirit, when our soul together with our spirit produce fruit together. This is when we call then the fruit of the Spirit, and it's not possible to produce the fruit of the Spirit without the uh, the participation of the soul. Both need to work together to be able to produce it, and the soul has those qualities then as the Spirit. Why? Because they need to become one, have the same characteristics to be able to produce the wife and the husband become one flesh, as we know. And so... Although Abraham bore Isaac, but Isaac was born by from Sarah. Sarah is the renewed soul that has passed through the process of death. And what spirit? That's humble and contrite. And so when we have the righteous spirit and the humble and contrite soul that trembles before the Lord, Abraham and Sarah, they're able to bear Isaac or bear fruits of the spirit. The righteous heart and the renewed mind they will bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. Spirit plus soul, again, produce the fruits of the Spirit. Second, the second good of the virtuous wife is her ability to derive wool and flax and willingly work with her hands. The word derive means care for, be concerned about, question something to claim, demand, seek, look for, search for, be found. <clears throat> and so these these uh, verbs, wool and flax, to derive wool from an animal, when you shear the sheep, of course you can always slaughter your sheep, but that will happen one time. But if you're shearing, you have to do this 
uh, regularly. And so when you die every day uh, in the death of the Lord Jesus, when you're deriving wool, when you make a covenant with God, uh, you make a contract with God in the baptism of water, we die. In this case, this happens once, but... But when we're talking about the death, we're not talking about a literal death where you'll be laying in different directions or different. We're talking about we're we're still alive and living, but the the uh, the deriving of wool itself is to cast off of the off of yourself the old man with his deeds, which upon practice means by the cross of the Lord Jesus separate from your nation, the house of your father, and the corrupt desires of your soul. Psalm forty five ten eleven. Listen, O daughter, consider consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house, so the king will greatly desire your beauty, because he is your Lord, worship him. And so here we see how we shear the sheep, we, we, we then derive this wool. To derive flax is getting to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and partake in his suffering, being conformed to his death to achieve the resurrection of the dead. Philippians 3, 9 through 11 and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead, to willingly work with... And then to, we will be looking at the willingness of the working of the hands. And so again, by deriving flax you then are able to create linen garments and clothing yourself into linen garments is clothing yourself into resurrection you can't clothe yourself clothe yourself into linen without the ability to first derive the wool and then derive flax and then she willingly works with her hands and so you be conformed to his death and then you be, be uh conformed to his resurrection, pretty pretty much one coming from the next. You can't represent them separately. In the law, there was a command that clothing from different types of uh, knits not be, not be made. Uh, if they're different forms of truth and you can't, you can't present them as, as being together, uh, you did not have the right then to the blood or the cross if you're separating these two things and not presenting within the blood the cross of Christ or not presenting the blood of the cross of Christ. That the blood is not the finished work. Blood of the cross of Christ is the finished work. Blood destroys the sin. The cross destroys the manufacture of sin. And so if we say these are two separate things, there are denominations that say that only blood that blood has done everything and you can sin as much as you'd like the Lord will still save you his blood has done all the work the Lord says no we need to work we need to die upon the cross pay our price and pray others say we need to try to become righteous and so again separation of the truth we have the blood of Christ so that we could destroy sin and the cross of Christ to destroy the manufacture of sin. This is one truth and needs to be presented as one. And the priests did put on this this truth. 
as they needed the wool and the flax and they described the different colors that they needed to also wear the blue and the scarlet coming to his presence the entire tabernacle was made of linen and also purple and blue but for the regular Israelites it, they were not allowed to wear this, uh, these blends, these uh, blended knits. And so again, these need to be presented as one truth and not as two separate forms of truth that then uh, create very large denominations that don't like one another um, or agree with one another. And so then when you say that this is actually one truth, uh, the, then these two forms of denomination either allow everything or forbid everything, they're two different uh, extremes that they go to, uh, will rise up and try to destroy the truth that they hear because they don't agree with it. Hebrews 13:15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And so, to derive uh, wool, to derive uh, flax, this is the one that is able to bring forth the offering of praise, the fruit of his lips. Third, the good of the virtuous wife is her like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She is like the merchant ships, she brings her food, her food from afar. It is interesting that the one and same verb derive in the given situation in Hebrew has a completely different meaning. Derive is to allow in, lead in, bring in, or bring to power. This means to bring to power the word of the Most High within your body by the means of merchant ships merchant ships bringing the bread of life from afar are the reasonable abilities of our soul utilizing our mouth to confess the faith of our heart stating that through the law we died for the law so that we can live for the one who died for us and resurrected bringing the bread of life from afar is passing from the service of condemnation into the service of justification And so her uh, bringing bread from afar and they're brought uh, uh, using these merchant ships. And so although we live in the era of the New Testament, the New Testament is only for those people who died through the law for the law, who correctly have utilized the holy law of Moses to be able to discover the old man in himself and condemn him to death. For, for these people, the era of the New Testament begins. But when a person's under the law, he's a carnal person, he continues within the era of the Old Testament. The, the, the era of the New Testament is when you have the ability to uh, get food from afar or bring them using these merchant ships, the service of justification. And so you need to uh, make this then justification accessible uh, and you make it accessible using these merchant ships uh, using the reasonable abilities of your of your soul 
in our spirit we have salvation and our soul now being renewed renewing our our mind with the spirit of our mind and we do this using the merchant ships we then bring forth this salvation we confess it by confessing it we confess it with our mouth and so these merchant ships is our renewed mind that helps us confess the truth that are deep inside our heart they're very deep inside and you need to bring them out and the soul will help us with that fourth the good of the virtuous wife is that she also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants in scripture night identifies God's fog or mist identifying the fourth dimension where a good person who is vigilant in prayer is called to receive knowledge of revelations which consist in the midst in the midst of the unapproachable light Psalm 19 1 through 5 1 through 4 the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork day unto day utter speech and night unto night reveals knowledge there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the ends of the earth <clears throat> what what is it talking about here what firmament what what is this uh, that it's referring to this is all inside of us we are this world <clears throat> and so <clears throat> we need to learn how we need to uh, how do how do we do a uh, provide a portion for our maid servants and so this is the fruit of our spirit and rising in the middle of the night and giving a portion for our maid servants is that we use our body our lips so that we can pray in tongues why because our spirit is the servant we can grow it by praying in tongues and so when we rise we give this portion to our maidservants our maidservants is also our soul how do you rise up at night and comfort her the, the David says that why do you why are you cast down my soul he speaks to his soul and he communicates with his soul as a, ser- a maid servant. He gives to her her portion, what she's in need of. She's in need of words of comfort. Our soul is in need of words of comfort. Not in self-pity uh, or, or self-mourning. Not, oh, well, someone didn't greet me. They didn't look at me the way I wanted them to. They didn't uh, uh, introduce me the way I liked it or whatever it may be. You don't worry about those things. If the soul begins to mourn, you need to comfort her with the word of God. Why are you cast down and why are you saddened? And so as we know, our pastor also talks about how he talks to his own body. He uh, speaks to his body and speaks to all of himself so that this quality of a rock be in his body. And so that the enemy not have way within our body. And so the the enemy is then very limited in what he can do. 
because we give this resurrection, this quality of a rock, we 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 give it to our body and our our, our soul as well through speaking in tongues. Fifth, the good of the virtuous wife is her ability to consider a field and make the decision to buy it, having therefore the rights of ownership. As it is written, she considers a field and buys it. The field which we need to buy so we have the right to so we have the rights to ownership is our body which is within the clutches of decay and death, where we are called to destroy the stronghold of death so that we can provide God with legitimate grounds upon which to adopt our body by the redemption that was accomplished for us by God. Such gain is to be done by confessing with our mouth the faith of our heart, stating who God is to us, what God has done for us, and who we are to God. In Hebrew, the word buy is to grab yourself, embrace or wrap yourself with circling fire, as Elisha was, conquer yourself upon the rights of ownership. When to create such an atmosphere as if you remember Elijah, he needed to create this whirlwind in which he was then uh, taken up. He needed to create the atmosphere of this fire. And he needed to call it. We need to understand that before we're raptured, we need to create within our life this whirlwind. Matthew 12, 35-37 A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And so to consider a field and purchase it, but first you need to hear about this field, about this revelation. And when you hear about this revelation, we need to see where it is. It is in the field that's within our body. And now we need to purchase this field Jesus said how can I liken the kingdom of heaven it's as a treasure hidden in a fi- in a field and when he finds out about this treasure he because of the joy he has he sells everything he has and purchases this plot of land how do you determine whether you have the promise it's very easy to determine this do you have the promise that belongs to the door of our hope this is by our unearthly upright joy and our ability to pay the price. In scripture it says he sells everything that he trusts in. We will never be pompous with our uh, privilege, with our uh, maybe social status, our house or whatever else we have. We won't be uh, pompous with these things. We will, we sold all of this so that we can purchase the, the field. And the reason is because upon this field there's a promise that the door that belongs to the door of our hope, and this is to rapture, be raptured and meet with the Lord in the air. But before we uh, meet with the Lord at the door of this hope, there's a promise that we are to receive <clears throat> that drives away death. That's Methuselah who drives away death, <clears throat> and the old man will be thrown thrust out with noise from within our body. <clears throat> There's still time, while we're still here, there's still time to pay uh, the price uh, for this field. I'm always happy I learned from him continuously to always put hope in the people. 
because the Lord can perform great miracles. The one that was last can immediately become first. And those who were first, who earn, that are trying to earn it with their own uh, deeds to be able to gain something, they will be last. We pray price because of great joy. And this joy needs to be present in us and not like in that parable. When he began to pay all his workers, he paid the same to those who began, who worked uh, from the start of the day and then those that came at the final hour and worked the last hour and he paid them the same. And they, these people who worked the, the entire day began to complain. And so we need to keep the word of patience and the word of patience is to keep upright joy. It is during trials and difficulty that we may experience we keep this quality of upright joy. <clears throat> Sixth, the good of the virtuous wife is her ability to plant a vineyard from her prophets. In scripture, the symbol of the fruit grapes is linked to the fruit of upright joy abiding within the heart of a person. Psalm 104.15, and wine that makes glad the heart of man. <clears throat> From her prophets, she plants a vineyard means to love righteousness and hate lawlessness so that you can provide God with the ability to turn his favor upon us and anoint us with the oil of gladness. <clears throat> Jude 124, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Every time we, as a result of our love for righteousness and hatred for lawlessness, are clothed into the virtue of upright joy, we provide the messengers of the king of Tyre the legitimate right to build our body into an enduring house. Seventh, the good of the virtuous wife is her ability to gird herself with the strength, with strength, and, and she strengthens, worth, uh, strengthens her arms. To gird your loins with strength is to renew your mind by the spirit of your mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. 1 Peter 1.13 Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 6.10 Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Every time we renew our mind with the spirit of our mind, and are vigilant in prayer, we completely depend upon the given to us grace in the coming of Jesus Christ. We provide the messengers of the King of Tyre the legitimate right to build our body into an enduring house. All circles around our virtuous wife are renewed mind, a renewed soul. We need to renew our mind. She girds with the loins of her mind. And she does this using the word of God. This virtuous wife, this is the church of Christ, again, and our soul. No one else can do this. Eighth, the good of the virtuous wife comes from the state of her heart in which she feels or discovers that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. The lesson in which we discover peace with God within our heart is active abiding in the faith of God where our heart is vigilant in hope waiting to meet the Lord in the air. 
Songs of Solomon 5.2 I sleep, but my heart is awake. The active work uh, that's being done here, even at the time of sleep, her heart is still awake, actively abiding in the faith of God, using every moment of your life, being vigilant. The vigilance of the, the vigilance of our heart makes itself known in the joyously burning lamp, identifying our burning before God's Spirit, in which is the essence of life, energy of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all of the inner depths of his heart. Proverbs 20:27. 20, Specifically, the burning lamp, which does not go out at night, will be the identifying factor or identifying guarantee that we will meet the Lord in the air. And the parable, Matthew 25, 3 through 12, where it talks about the guarantee to rapture. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept, and at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Every time we receive truth that is not understandable to our mind and put it into our heart, we give the messengers of the king of Tyre the ability to build our body into an enduring house. Very strong words here. We need to receive into our heart the words that we don't understand and put them away there. About Mary, it's, it's, it was written, she kept the words in her heart. God gives his word in the format of the word of patience. And as you have kept my word of patience, I will keep you from the coming trials. How do you keep his words of patience? You keep, you put place the un, not understood words in your heart. And so often people will pull out of context specific places or phrases, but when you read them as a whole, you'll be able to see that And so I read uh, past our pastor's uh, sermons uh, exactly as they are. Sometimes I'll just uh, focus more a little bit on certain areas or subjects than others. Uh, but I never add anything that's out of that. I repeat sometimes maybe the things that he said. But sometimes people complain and say things. Uh, but it's only because I focus sometimes a little bit more on certain areas deeper than others but they're all specifically what pastor has written. And so when we go through these, uh, when we're, we're uh, receiving the word that we don't hear, eventually the Lord will reveal the meaning and the significance and what they are. Uh, it could be in the future sermons, it could be in the cell group, it could be in other ways. Um,
And so when uh, you, you, you need to keep the words of patience and that requires order that all the truth be placed one on, uh, with the other and we wait for the revelation. And so she began to understand Mary uh, what he was talking about when she finally saw when he was crucified and in three days he was resurrected and so he says those are things that I that had spoken while I was still with you he was he, he said those things and so what with what patience uh, all of this and so sometimes a person becomes rebellious or angry and says why is this being said like this or that and when you begin to focus their attention to the entirety of the place or place of scripture that they're supposed to read they begin they 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 realize that they're making mistakes and so let us right now pray and may the lord allow us uh, to destroy dependence of all sin illnesses when we come and we uh, repent before him we call all of the saints of god to the altar not just those who want to repent but also those who want to uh, establish their promise in themselves those who need healing who want to thank god you don't don't need to just come out for repentance you can also come out to meet with the lord jesus christ so let us now pray and close our eyes and look at what's happening inside of us and not judge anyone around amen let us pray
I will be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side. He's not against you. He loved us with an eternal love. He has given us the work of his redemption. He has stood between us and our enemies so that he could protect us to lift us up to his level. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you and upon this holy place in the church of your saints, I open up my heart so that you can see my pain, my suffering, my wounds that are inflicted by sin and lust that I hate and that I reject. I come to you with my illness, with fear, with a pampered dignity and dishonor. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, restore me, and protect me with the blood of your Son. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you. May with noise from your body the stronghold of death be thrusted out and may the stronghold of life be erected in its place. May this be upon you and your children in the name of Jesus Christ and the nation shall say, Amen. Let us, uh, we have an announcement to make. We have an announcement. The pastor wrote that we have guests from uh, Litwa and they are uh, here, the parents and the children. Let us uh, uh, do our manifestation first and I will go a little bit more in depth on the announcement. And so our manifestation first. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen <laughs> 